Lord, we declare we're not enough. We declare we're dependent on you, God, today. We need you. Lord, in every sphere of our life, we're dependent right now, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to show up. You're faithful to be present. You're faithful to give us your presence, to give us your spirit. Lord, we just make the declaration that we are dependent. We're a needy people. We need you, Jesus. We love you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give it up if you believe he's a faithful father and a good dad on Father's Day. Yeah, happy Father's Day. Come on, dads. What's up? Give it up for our dads in the house. I think y'all are heroes. Look at somebody before you grab your seat and say, dads are my hero. And grab your seat. It's good to be in the house of God, the greatest dad uh, that we've ever known, our father in heaven. It says he's actually preparing a place for us right now. Jesus is gone to prepare a place. And so uh, there's always a place for you. Sometimes we think there might not be a place, but Jesus said he's actually preparing a place. And so it's this, the same thing for heaven as it is here in this, this house. There's a place for you. I don't know where you are or what you've walked through, but there's a place for you. And uh, this is family. Happy Father's Day, dads. Um, got a lot going on this next week. Our students go to Access Nation Youth Camp all next week. Come on, Access Nation. We got 35 students and 11 uh, leaders going to Access Nation in Memphis. And so, uh, come on, what's up? T.Y.? Yeah, man. We, uh, we're, we believe, listen, in the next gen. And if, um, if you would do me a favor and pray for our students uh, that they would encounter God next week. Because how, how many of you know uh, to be a teenager in this day and age um, is tough? And so we, we need our students encountering God. Uh, because they're encountering every bit of the devil out there day to day, uh, social media and everything else. I wouldn't have made it uh, if I was a team with social media like they have it today. So, so just pray with us. Thank you for your generosity. I think uh, many of you had scholarship, and I think we scholarshiped a lot of the students going to camp. And so thank you for a heart for the next gen. That's awesome, yeah. And uh, just pray, pray, pray. And then also we've got Kids Blast coming up. Some of you saw that on the announcements. Our great kids team, our, our kids ministry team is putting on a kids camp, three-day kids blast at the end of June. And so if you just have neighbors that you want to drop off, kidnap and drop off at church, you can do that. If you want to drop off your own kids at church, if you want a little time, uh, it'll be three days to drop off. We're going to put Jesus in them and, and fun in them and snacks and Kool-Aid and sugar and, and fun and more snacks. It's going to be awesome. So um, you'd love to sign your kids up for that. And then we have a serve day at the end of uh, middle of July, July 13th, I believe. You can check it out in our connection area. Um, serve day is just where we're the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And so it's going to be awesome day of uh, projects. Connect groups are getting involved. We do four or five a year. We do outreaches and block parties. But these are more like service projects, painting schools, renovating places, helping people's homes, just helping widows or, or, or just, just people that are shut in, whatever. Um, maybe you're at church and you said, well, I haven't really got connected or plugged in. I'm not in a connect group yet or those kind of things. That's a great way. Serving together is a great way to build a community, meet some other people, get your hands and feet out there for Jesus and watch what God would do uh, in your life and in your relationship. So I'd encourage you, if you're in town, sign up for that. It's going to be a great day of serving. You guys ready for the word today? You can see the nacho bar coming in. Come on, because you're nacho average dad, right? A little cheesy, right? Yep. Yep, we're going to lead into some cheesy dad jokes right there. Check these dad jokes out real quick. Yeah.
I'm ready. What is the loneliest cheese? I don't know. What is the loneliest cheese? Provolone. Hmm. Why did the crab never share? Why? Because he was shellfish. Why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had four doors, they would be chicken sedans. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. What did the buffalo say to his son when he dropped him off at school? I don't know. Bye, son. <laughs> I got fired from my job at the bank today. Oh, no. You know how? How? An old lady asked me to check her balance, so I just shoved her over. <laughs> Assist. <laughs> to the man who invented zero. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> I hate people with missing toes. Because I'm lactose intolerant. What did the nut say when it was chasing another nut? Uh, I'm gonna cash you. What do you call a fake noodle? I'm an imposter. <laughs> My friend said he didn't understand what cloning was. I said that makes two of us. <laughs> what do you call a pony with a sore throat? I do not know. A little horse. <laughs> what does an annoying pepper do? I don't know. It gets jalapeno face. <laughs> <laughs> what did the excited gardener do when spring finally arrived? He wet his plants. <laughs> what kind of photos do turtles take? Mmm. Shelfies. That's awful thing. This is for Pastor Jamie. Okay. How does a vegan begin grace before every meal? How? Let us pray. Oh. <laughs> Come on, give it up for some dad jokes today. It is good. It is good to laugh in the house of God, man. I think uh, my heart today is just to kind of say you're doing a great job as a dad. You know, I, I think there's so much pressure on dads and, and, uh, and men uh, to be leaders and fathers and business owners and, 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 and faithful and husbands and, and sons and, and, and bosses and coaches and leaders. And it just, it can be, it can be heavy, you know, to, to be a dad. And I'm just 
here to say you're doing a great job. I want to encourage you, and you're not alone in it, and you've got a, a, a community and a Father in Heaven. I want to just talk to you about a little bit about our Father in Heaven and, and uh, just share a couple of stories. I was in uh, California a couple weeks ago at a camp called JH Ranch. Amazing, amazing weekend or week with my son, um, and I'm going to share some thoughts from that. But I'm going to jump into the scripture in Romans 8, 12 through 17. This is what the verse says, uh, or verses say in the message version about, about being a son of God, about being children of God. And um, let, me, let me just say, like, again, as a dad, there's a lot of pressure. It's just a pressure to be a mom or a wife, or there's so much pressure just, just in today's society. And so this is really what Paul's teaching us about the Spirit of God on how to, how to live uh, for God and um, how to build anything for God. This is what it says in Romans uh, 8, 12. It says, so don't you see that we don't owe this Old, do-it-yourself life, one red cent. That's an interesting thought. Like, a lot of times, especially as dads or men, like, we, we got it, right? Like, we, we know we got it. It's got skills and abilities. Like, we got to do it ourselves. It says there, there's, nothing in the, there's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons there are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's, it's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. Go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with Him also. My title for today is this No Do It Yourself Dads. No Do It Yourself Dads. Or No DIY Living. No DIY Living. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for sending us your spirit by which we cry, Abba Father. You've adopted us and you're a dad. And that so often we try to do it ourselves, God. And you said that we would bury the old do-it-ourself life. I pray today that by the Spirit of God that those in this room, myself included, we could bury uh, our own strengths, our own talents, because you're strong in our weaknesses. I thank you that the end of our gifts is where you take off. Oftentimes, Lord, we're dependent on so many things but you. I pray for a spirit of dependence today. We wouldn't do it ourselves in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Amen. I think... Uh, the Bible is very poignant in telling us to bury the do-it-ourself-living. And I think it's an appropriate message on Father's Day, right? I think that as, as men, as fathers, uh, the pressure we carry and the, and the performance we try to give and the things that we try to do can get very weighty. And God's saying, I wish you would just bury that do-it-yourself-living. I mean, being a dad, being a mom, there's a lot of pressure in being a dad. Come on, anybody, right? I mean, think about, think about I mean, like there's classes on how to birth children, like like 16 weeks. There's no, there's no school to be a dad. There's no dad degree. There's no, but, but like 16 weeks of, of training to birth a child. Come on, ladies. Y'all, you got any, I hope you, as a good husband, you went to the class. You got Lamaze and you got Bradley method and you got you know, breathing methods and breathing techniques and all the different you know, classes to train you on how to birth a child. But all you need is a special baby seat to bring the kid home. It's like, man. When we birthed the child, we needed birthing balls and Bradley methods and breathing techniques and birthing baths and, and, and doctors and nurses and medical assistants and, and technology and epidurals and, 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 and medication. We needed all this stuff. But then the baby comes out and you're like, here you go. 
But I needed like a whole funded hospital to have the child. And now you're just sitting in the, it's a human. You're sitting him home with me. I don't, not, I'm still figuring out the microwave. Like, are you sure? Like when my firstborn was born, like he, 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 seven hours of labor. We had him about, I don't know, 7.37 p.m. I remember that number for some reason. And they're like a couple hours later, like, you're good to go. Going home. I'm like, it's too, it's the same day. It's too soon. Like, no, we can't go home. It's too, there's a three-day waiting period on weapons. You can't just give me a human. <laughs> send me home. Like, what's the, there's some waiting period in here. Like, I'm not ready. I say, no, you got it. You got your car seat and we get the baby seat and then you got to have a degree to work the baby seat. You know what I'm saying? And strap that thing in and we get home. And, and, and the reality is like, it's scary. It's daunting. It's, I mean, you know, you don't know if you're going to break them, if you're going to be able to raise them, if they're going to die, they got a burp stuck and they're bloody red in their face and you think they're dying and suffocating. It's just a burp and they got to, you know, you don't, it's just scary. Right. But here's the deal. God chooses the unqualified. God decides to use those that know that it's not their strengths and their giftings and their talents that do something in their life. It's actually the unqualified and, 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 and the scared and those that are ill-equipped. God chooses those people, the foolish things of the world, to confound the wise. Those that know that anything they build in life is not them or their strengths or their talents, but it's God giving them the capability and capacity to work in them and through them. And that, that's the heart of, of my message today, really, is that we would understand that, like, like it's God building it, that we would actually bury the old do-it-ourself living. Like we become these DIY people when it comes to life and Christianity and, and, and family and children. We think we're going to build it. And the Bible says that you can't even make the hair on your head grow. Many of you know that real well. You've been trying everything. It says we can't even make ourselves one inch taller. Like we can't make, my son's almost six foot. I look at him every day. He looks down at me. I'm like, you're living my dream, son. <laughs> You'd be happy living my dream, you know? And we can't make our, why do we think that we can stress and pressure and fret and build and, and get our kids to turn out right and get our jobs to work out right and get our churches to be right and get everything and, and, and force all these things? I'm going to talk to myself. And why do we think that we can make it happen in our own strength to do DIY living, like make it come to pass? Jesus said, unless I build it, you labor in vain. Some of you are so worn out and you've done it in vain because you just haven't asked God, God, I'm dependent. I need you. I need you. I need you. What's up, God? What do you want me to do? What do you want to say? What, how do I build this life? Any, any DIYers in here? Come on. Now, some of y'all are good at that at your house. Me, I, I, I remember doing my house. I had a buddy, Alex Goodman, goes to church here. He's tried to talk me into and convince me to sand my own floors, my hardwood floors. I got a quote for like 4000 some odd dollars to sand the floors and restain them. I'm like, $4,000, man, that's crazy. I can do that on my own. And Alex is like, yeah, I did it. You're good. Just go rent the orbital sander down at United Tool Rental and do this and this and this. I'm like, all right, it's 200 bucks uh, for a half a day. I did it in four days. And, and, you know, and I'm like, how long did it take? He's like, 24 hours a day straight, just grinding away. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go and I rent the thing. He talks me into it. I pay the money. I get to the house. I, I turn that thing on. And it's not the kind that just shakes. It's the orbital. And it just, zim, it's just zipping into walls. Zim. I'm like, oh, God. My wife's like, step away from the sander. 
I called in friends, called in buddies, you know, and, and I ended up calling in a professional to end up doing the floors and get it done. I had to bite the bullet and pay the price. So look at that. I ended up paying the cost it cost to rent it, the damage that I did to the floor, the other damage I did to the other walls in the house, and then I had to pay the contractor to come in and finish it. So, so how many problems do we go through? Some of you are like, well, I can do my own floors. I'm a, I'm, I can do a DIY problem. Well, there's other stuff you can't do. <laughs> get up here and preach for a minute. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I think that sometimes we just think we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to build it ourselves. We're going to, we're, we're okay. We got this. We're strong. We got it. I'm not going to share it with anybody. I've got to figure it out. And that's Satan's tactic on us as dads or on humans. And the reality is Jesus paid the full price, the full cost to build our life so we don't have to. You can't build it in your own strength. I'm not saying that you just lay down and do nothing, but like, like the, the, the weight should be on his shoulders. The Bible talks about the government's been placed on his shoulders in Isaiah. Some of you are carrying so much weight on your shoulders. The Bible says the weight's on his shoulders. We need a weight shift to put it back on his shoulders. The devil says this to us. You can have a DIY life. It sounds like this. I should know how to do this. I should know better. I should be better. I should be further along. I can figure this out on my own. Look, they know how to do it. I can do it. I don't need anybody's help. I'm all good. Come on. How are you? I'm all good. How's it going? All good. We're good. I got, I got this. Anybody? I got it. Like, I think as, as men, a lot of time, I got it. Don't share weaknesses. Don't share any areas of insufficiency. Don't, don't share, use your gifts. Use your talents. Make everything look good. And on the inside, you know that you're dependent. You need help, and you're not good. I, uh, I was at camp. Like I said, it was like, I mean, I don't like camping, guys. To be honest, like. We had 14 men, seven sons and seven dads in one cabin, one shower, one toilet. First thing I did pulling into that little town was find some flip-flops at Walmart, baby. <laughs> yeah, I ain't standing in that shower. I don't want to stand in your cesspool any day. My son's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting flip-flops, son. It's camp essential. I drove an hour to find flip-flops. Come on, somebody. Yeah, y'all know me. I'm a little, I don't like it. And so we're in this cabin and we're doing camp. It's an amazing camp, Father Son. This is a Father Son week where uh, college students run the camp. You're there in, the, in, the, in Northern California by yourself for a week with your son or your daughter, mother, daughter, mother, son, father, son, father, daughter, either way. And this, this was all these about 150 uh, parent child combos in, in this camp. And uh, there's all types of like. Uh, climbing poles and, and, and different high ropes and low ropes and these team building challenges and then they debrief with you. The college kids like are in charge of safety and hooking you into the harness and then, and then after you come down they debrief with you and say what was God saying and I'm like he's just saying that I wasn't going to die. You know like <laughs> Like I had to climb this like 50 foot telephone pole, 50 feet up in the air on these little like nails that had been nailed into it. And you climb on these things and get to the top. And then from the top, you, there's like two little, you know, Steve, come on, you've done it right there. You know what I'm feeling here. And then you get to the top 50 feet in the air and it's just in the telephone pole shaking and you're doing, you're shaking on this pole. And the last step to get, you have to leave one foot on the nail on the side of the pole and you got to get one foot to the top of the pole and then push yourself up and, and do a faith stand on 50 feet up in the air. And then there's a trapeze bar seven feet out and seven feet down. You have to jump to and grab the trapeze bar. 
My son had already gone, so there was no backing out. I mean, all of the dads are down there. My son's down there. Like, I'm going to make my son look like the one dad couldn't do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I got this. I'm doing DIY. You know what I mean? And then this other dad down there, he's like, you got it. Like, put your hips back and do this. And I got it, and I did it all, and it was great. Well, there's things like that all through the camp, right? Well, there's this one called the Odyssey, and uh, it's a high ropes in, up, up 45 feet in the air. There's these little metal wire ropes, I mean, tiny metal wire ropes that you walk across. There's about 10 of them stretched from platform to platform, and all types of obstacles in between the wires, and the 14 of us go across that, and there's different rules to engage on that. Sometimes the dads can't talk. Sometimes the sons can't talk. Sometimes there's this platform that you pull with a rope, and you all have to get on and can't leave anybody behind and, and then you're walking on these tight ropes and you and you can't touch the thing that holds you you have to hold each other and you're leaning on each other's hands and we're depending on each other and walking across it and dads are getting kind of mad at each other and and you're and stuff's coming out and this one dad and son were there the thing's shaking and my son and I are shaking here and, and we're trying to move and they're like can you give us a minute I'm like we're in the same boat you are man you know, <laughs> you know stuff's coming out well, the well, word gets out through the camp that this one dude gets stranded on it and has to get rescued off of it. And so there's different team members around. They can, you know, encourage you. And the college kids are around. And there's this little girl named Mary Kate that's helping us get through it. And she's kind of coaching. We have one coach up with us and one on the ground. And so this little girl, Mary's there. And I hear that this guy gets stranded. I don't know who it is. But later on that night, I'm at the ping pong tables. My son's playing some ping pong, and there's guys in rocking chairs. And this dude was over there, and he's kind of big, and he's kind of loud, and he's hilarious. And his name's Jason, and he's a good friend of mine. He's a pastor in Mississippi. And so he's telling the story, and it sounds like he's the one that got stranded on the thing. And I go, so I just kind of ease myself in the conversation. I'm like, dude, I was like, are you the one that got stuck? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, yeah, man, I got stuck. They had to rescue me. He's like, I was up there. And I fell off, man, in the wire, and I went down, and little Mary, little Mary Kate, she's yelling up at me. I'm stuck. I'm laying over on the wire, and little Mary's going, you got it, Jason. You're doing good. He's telling all of us this story. We're rolling. He's like, he's like I'm not doing good. I'm about to die. You got, you're doing so good, Jason. He's like, I don't need Disneyland Mary. I need emergency Mary. I get all the Christian stuff right now. You doing good? I'm dying. <laughs> he's like, he's like, the, name, the guy that owns the whole camp is named Bruce, right? He owns everything. He, I mean, he's, he runs it all. He and his wife, Heather, amazing people. He's like, he's like this crazy adventurous. I mean, rides Harleys, paraglides, all this stuff. He's like 68 years old. I don't know. And, uh, and so Jason's like, he's like, I'm not doing good. He's like, get Bruce up here. Bruce, you made this. And I jumped in. I'm like, yeah, Bruce comes parasailing out of the woods. Like, do we have a problem here? Put your leg up on the wire, Jason. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's a crazy camp. <laughs> You're doing so good. You got this. Can I say no, you don't? And no, you aren't? Not by yourself. Not by yourself. And so often we think we're doing so good and we got it. And, and I, don't need, I don't need Disneyland, God, man. I need help, God. I need you to rescue me, God. I need you to help me get back up on this wire of life. I can't do it on my own. I can't rescue me. And so often we just dangle there and we're good for us to say, it's so good. And we, it's like this false encouragement. You got it. No, 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 no. I need your help, God. 
God's saying, if you'll just call out to me, if you'll just ask me, if you'll just cry to me, I will help you get back on the rope of life. I'll help you. I will rescue you. I'll come to your rescue. I hear you. Just be dependent on me. Write this down. Here's what sin is. Sometimes we think sin is these, these gross atrocities and gross perversions and all these big things. Simply this. Sin is trying to live beyond your limits. Just deciding that you got it beyond your capabilities, beyond your limits. Like, like we are finite beings. We are limited beings. And, and what happens oftentimes is we try to fill up on so many other things and distract ourselves from our limits. Instead of going to God and being dependent on God, radically dependent on God, we can fill up on shopping or we can fill up on entertainment or we can fill up on a little golf or we can fill up on a little bit of distraction. We can fill up. Come on, I'm not against golf. I love golf. I like vacations. I like the beaches. I like. But if we're using those things as distractions from our limitations, then we end up being stuck hanging from the wire. And I just don't want to be. In a place of sin, ignoring my limits. I need each other. Come on, my buddy Corey wrote me a letter. He said it to me. My board, all my board, Corey and Mike Hussar and Clayton Holloway and, and, uh, and Jeff Hinton, they all wrote, we wrote, letter, they wrote letters to our sons and then coaches wrote letters and these guys wrote letters to me. I need each other. I, need, I mean, I sat there in the woods and wept reading letters from men in my life who, 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 who spoke into my heart and spoke into my life and things they saw and, and just things we've been together in. You know, we, we can't do it on our own. We can't do a DIY life. I don't want to do that. I don't want to live in sin and, and, and try to live beyond my limits on my own, right? Why do we have connect groups that kicked off last week? But I don't, like connect groups aren't a church thing. We just want another thing to do. No, I think connect groups aren't optional. Like it's, it's a group of people that you would invite into your life and how do I get connected? How do I do this? How do I not be self-dependent and do, do it yourself life? Well, actually uh, prioritize something that's important in your schedule and get community in your life and go to someone's home or get around a table, a dinner table or share some of your struggles or come to an altar or get prayer. But our connect groups are an amazing way to actually step in there. And maybe you're not ready to meet some new people like that. Well, go to a serve day and meet some relationships and, and get some people in here. It's just, it's just practical stuff that's very spiritual and not trying to live on your own and your, and your self-reliance. The reality is that you can do nothing apart from Jesus, right? The Bible says it. You can do nothing apart from Jesus. Some of you say, well, I've done a lot. I can do this and that. Let me say it this way. You can do nothing significant or eternal apart from Jesus. Nothing significant or eternal. And Jesus said it like scripture and verse. He said, you can do nothing apart from me. I don't want to try to live without God. Listen, write this down. It's not in your notes. It won't be on the screen. God increases our inadequacy to increase our dependency. There are scenarios around my life and your life right now that are increasing our inadequacy. Orchestrated scenarios to increase your inadequacy to make you more dependent and to increase your dependency on God. And you're going, why am I facing this? Why do I feel so inadequate? Why can't I, why do I not get the answer like I used to get? Why are my gifts not taking me to where they used to take me? Because God's saying, no, no, I need you more dependent on me than you ever have been. Another, another thing, and I'm, I'm going to sh- share a couple more stories with you, and I'm going to pray for you. Uh, another thing we did, it was an exercise where we actually had to blindfold our sons. And we're in the woods, and there's danger, and there's drop-offs, and there's things all around. And we blindfold our boys, and, and, and we tell them four promises before we go into the activity. And we get one minute to say it to them over and over again, hoping that they'll retain it before we go into a very dangerous activity. And so we said to them, 
hey, number one, you can always trust me. You can always trust me. Son, you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me. Son, you can trust me. Number two, son, only listen to my voice. Only listen to my voice. Only listen to your father's voice. Only listen to my voice. Number three, you can ask me anything. 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 And son, I will never leave you. 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 You got it? Got it, dad. Repeat it back to me. Repeat it back to you. Blindfold them. We begin to walk through the woods. Steep areas, pine straw, pine cones, trees, drop-offs. One area that's about two times as high as this platform that kind of goes down through the, through, the, through the rocks a little bit. That they, and so they're blindfolded. I got my hands on my son's shoulder. He's blindfolded, and I'm leading him and directing him with my voice and telling him, go this way, go that way. You're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. And then all of a sudden, the instructor says, now, take your hands off of his shoulders. So I take my hands off his shoulders. Now he's walking blindfolded, and my voice is directing him, and he's good. I'm like, you're good. Step here, step there. Finally, he comes to the edge of this little cliff area, and the instructor looks at me and says, quiet, and take your hands off. And so he's standing there. All the sons come to this spot, and the instructor says, hey, your dad's led you into a dangerous area. This is a rough spot. Hey, you're kind of out there. He's got you in the wrong spot. Just take your blindfold off, and I, I'm, I'm your coach. I'll help you get to where you need to go. A couple of the boys ripped their blindfolds off and realized their dad was standing there and realized they weren't supposed to do that. They remembered, only listened to my voice. Come on, how often does the devil tell us that our Father in heaven has us in a dangerous spot? Or you can't trust him, or he's got you. How, how often do we listen to a different voice that, that we shouldn't, and we realize, wait a minute, I should have only listened to the shepherd's voice. He knows me, and I know him. So we put the blindfolds on. My son didn't take his blindfold off. I was like, come on, son, we win. <laughs> and, and, and so he's still blindfolded, and we get to this hill, and it's a long, steep gravel road, and then, and then they get to the bottom, and they have to navigate that. And, and we get to the bottom, and they say, take your hands off and quiet. So they get to the bottom, and I back up, take my hands off, and I'm totally silent. And my son just starts walking <laughs> right up to the edge of the cliff. And, and there's, there's counselors and stuff that are guarding that. So they staggered us, and they stop him, and he's at the edge, and he, he stops, and he, he says, he's blindfolded, he says, Dad, am I, am I going in the right direction? I'm like, no, you're not, son. He's like, which way should I go? And I was like, you need to turn to the left and begin to walk forward. He turns to the left and begins to walk forward. And then he starts veering off again. He doesn't, say, he doesn't ask me anything else. He starts going again. And he veers off, and he hits some branches. I'm letting, him, I'm letting him stumble and fall on rocks. He's hitting rocks, and he's... And it's, it was hard not to. One, one dad was so freaked out. He's like, well, he's like, this in front of the son. I'm like, dude, grow up. <laughs> You're raising a little wimp there. Come on. Let him fall. <laughs> then I was like, you know, I was the guy. My son's walking. He didn't ask anything else. Finally, he's getting smacked by some things. And finally, he goes, Dad, am I going the right way? No, son. Am I, am I going right now? And he catches on that I can only speak when he asks. I can only answer what he asks me. I can only talk when he talks. And so he gets it and finally goes, okay, okay. He's like, Dad, are we good? 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 Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? And he makes it all the way to the, to the rendezvous area going every second. Am I good? Am I good? Am I good? I'm like, you're good. Turn around. Turn around. And I'm just the whole way. One kid gets to the edge of the cliff, and he hits some trees, and he says, Dad, am I good? And his dad goes, no. He didn't ask his dad anything else for 35 minutes. <laughs> we sat there for 35 minutes watching him. I'm like, is he angry at his dad? Can he, is he, can he talk to his dad? You know, we're in the woods waiting. <laughs> and how, how, how often are we 
in life blindfolded. You don't know the obstacles. You don't know the ditches. You, you don't know the perspective of things that you're going to face. And how often are we sitting here trying to navigate, just walking on our own and, and, and doing this and doing that? And God's saying, could you just trust me? Could you just ask me? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. If you'll just cry out to me, I can direct you with my voice. If you ask, I'll answer. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door's open. But, but we decide that we're going to do it on our own and we can figure it out. And we, we're blindfolded. We're walking and we come up to the edge of divorce and we come up to the edge of perversion. We come up to the edge of sin and, and, and all the different things and addiction. And, 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 and we're not just, am I good, God? Should this be in my life, God? Do you want this, God? Is this the relationship? Is this the direction? Is this the job? Is this the career? Is this the attitude? Is this the heart, God? What do you want, my good? We don't do that. We walk ourselves to the edge of things that God never intends for us to walk into. And he's just saying, just, just be dependent. I am a, your father who's good. I will never leave you. You can always trust me. You can ask me anything and only listen to my voice. It's our father in heaven. Paul talks about it. He goes on and tells us about adoption. Write this down. Nothing has a greater impact on your life than the presence of a good or bad father. You catch that? There's no greater impact. You could have had the worst father and it was the biggest impact on your life. You could have had the greatest father and it was the greatest impact on your life. Paul's talking about the spirit of adoption here. We understand God is creator. We understand God is all-powerful. We understand God is provider. We understand sermons on, on God is faithful. We understand all these things, but the revelation to understand God is dad? Daddy? It's one of the hardest revelations to grab. One of the hardest things to understand because of the things we've been through the pain we've walked through, and Paul's saying you can call him Abba Father, Abba Daddy, and some of you won't get close to him or won't cry out to him as Father because of the hurt and the pain of your natural fathers that you've gone through. I know at camp there was some things in, in me and, and I was dealing with, with God and he was dealing with me on and I was talking to him. He said, you've put up some walls and put some, put some separation between me and you in your life because you have some things that you went through that you didn't expect and you blame me for it. And now you've kind of guarded yourself from a close relationship. Not that I didn't walk with God, but there were some, some things that I just didn't walk into with God because I was a little bit bitter in my heart with God. Some of you have been through things and, you know, your earthly father hurt you, but also you have, a, you have something in your heart towards your heavenly father because you feel like you shouldn't have got that hand dealt or you shouldn't have been through that. So God's saying, no, 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 just, just come close. Just come close. You can trust me. You can trust me. Paul talks about trusting our, our God as father. He says this in Romans eight fourteen. This is in the New King James. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, listen to this language, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Let me say this to you. Orphans seem very tough, but they're very fearful. It's a very exterior toughness, but on the inside, they're afraid of everything. And, and, and Paul's saying there's two options. We're either going to have the spirit of adoption or the spirit of an orphan. We're either going to understand the spirit of sonship or we're going to feel abandoned as orphans. He says literally that God adopted us and we are his children now. We understand that this is adoption. Here's the thing about adoption. Adoption is where the parent now that adopts the child takes on permanent responsibility of all the privileges and responsibilities of the other parent. No reversing it. It's eternal. It's the only institution that you can't reverse. If you adopt, you can't reverse that. Let me say this to you. There's no accidental adoptions. There's no oops adoptions. 
Come on, brother. There's no mistakes in adoption. There's no, oh, we changed our mind in adoption. And some of you think that God changes his mind on you weekly and daily or when you mess up. There's no mistakes. He, the adoption is the choosing of Almighty God. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I love you. I choose you. And how... Can I say this? The, the choosing of God should make us the most secure and confident people on the planet. I mean, if God chose me, I should be so secure in that. I've done missions in places and orphanages and, and children that the orphanages, the orphanage or the ministry that gives them everything for free, the soap, the food, the blankets, all that stuff for free. These children that have no parents, they, they will still, still steal the soap or steal the food. And the missionaries will say, sweetie, it's free. You you don't have to do that. But they have this orphan spirit that thinks they have to fend for themselves, protect themselves, get all they can, grab all they can, promote themselves, survive. And I'm here to tell you that there's an orphan spirit in the church. We haven't understood the adoption of Father, and so we think that we have to get all we can and strive to be all we can and make our name and make our, make our way and build ourselves and boast about what we got and bring others down and pull others down because and, 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 we really don't trust that God has ordered our steps and God has supplied for us and God has taken care of us, and so we think we got to do it on our own. So you get inside of a church, and there's a fearful spirit and a, and a, and a worrisome spirit, and it takes us into bondage again to fear. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in your life. I want a revelation in my life, in your life, that he's dad, that he's father. Some of you have been through some stuff. Come on, let me tell you, he's waiting for you. I know you got hurt. I know that situation made no sense. Come on, we don't get all the answers, but we get a faithful father. If we'll turn to him, and he's there. The spirit of adoption. Being chosen by God should make you the most confident person on the planet. I'm going to close up with the prodigal son and the story of the prodigal and the story of the faithful father. How many of you know the prodigal son story? It's an amazing story. I think it's appropriate on Father's Day. But let, let me say this. I think the story is really about the father. It's really about a faithful dad. And this father, he's got a house. He's got all the stuff. He's got the inheritance. He's got money. He's got everything. He's got a business going. He's got two sons that live in the house. The father loves both sons the same with all of his heart. All of the stuff that he owns, all the stuff he has is available to both sons. One son, the younger son, one day decides that he wants to go out on his own and live by himself and do a, a DIY living, do-it-yourself life. He says, give me my stuff. He goes out. I don't know what got into him. I don't know why you'd want to leave that environment. I don't know why. I don't know why you would decide, but somehow this boy decides to give in to the stupidity of independence. Come on, anybody? One day he decides that he can do it on his own without his father's voice and he wakes up without an identity in the pig pen and the pain of life. Because anytime you're estranged from the father, you're estranged from yourself. Because you only get your identity from your father in heaven and so if you're estranged from him, you're estranged from yourself. And if you're estranged from yourself, you're estranged from others because you don't know who you are and so you can be amongst friends and still feel lonely, still feel out of place. Because you don't have an identity. You don't know who you are in God because you've been estranged from him. And this younger boy, he leaves home, finds no identity. The older brother's in the house doing all the rules, but he's angry because the younger brother went out and came back and God blessed him. And the older brother has kept all the rules and he's lost his identity. 
These two brothers are a picture of all of us when we don't know the heart of our father. One boy, rebellion. One boy, rule keeping. We fall into one of those two categories when we're doing it ourselves in life. Rebellion is, I got this cup right here, this glass, and we begin to try to find identity kind of horizontally in our life, figure out what to fill us up and how to get distracted and how to put things in success and, and popularity and position and things into our life. And our cup is turned sideways and we begin to pour pleasure into our life and try to find identity and pleasure. And water's going to run in and maybe we're loving God and we love Jesus, but things are just running in and running right out. Rule keeping and, 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 and success and climbing the ladder and doing it all right. And I was, I was this type of person and all the rules I followed or all the rebellion I walked in. I didn't know God. I fell into rule keeping and rebellion and here my glass is totally empty. And I wonder why I'm frustrated when I get home. And I wonder why I've got stress when I've been sweating it out in life. And I wonder why I don't have enough to give to my kids any longer, to give to my wife. Or my wife wonders what spouse she's going to get or what mood I'm going to be in. Or my children wonder if I'm going to be sweating it out the whole day and have anything left to give them, any love to lay on them. And I'm trying to fill up and I'm frustrated on the inside and I've just been trying to do it myself. One son tried to find identity and pleasure. One son tried to find identity in performance. But the son that came home, he finally got it. He said, I'm not worthy, Dad. I've messed up so bad. I just need your grace. And the father just said, quiet. I see your dependence on me. Just began to put a robe on him and clean him up and put a ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet and said, let me get the fatted calf and just began to vertically pour in over and over and over. Look at this. No matter what, when you're vertically dependent on God, you're never empty. And anything that pours out of your life is just overflowing and spilling on others that are around you. And God keeps pouring in more and more and more. My heart is a heart of dependence for us today. If you stand to your feet with me, I want to pray for you. I don't know what you've been through or what type of pressure you've been under. I get it as a dad. My, I, would, I would share this personally. It was awesome. An awesome word my, my, my great friend Corey said to me in, in that letter. This is per, it's personal, but it's not like intimate. <laughs> so I can share it, but he's just like, you know, God's done amazing things in our church and through me and through, through our team and through you and through our, our members of our house. But something stuck out to me. It said, it said, a lot of times God wants to, he said, you're very gifted. He said, but a lot of times God wants to pick up at the end of our gifts when our gifts can't do it any longer. And many of you are relying on your gifts and your education and your techniques and your manipulation and your ability to talk and your ability. Or maybe just what you relied on yesterday. Your strength. You can take anybody. You work out. You're strong. Confident. You get your, find all kinds of identity and all types of things. God's saying, would you just be dependent? Can we just get to a place of daily dependence? Going, God, I can't get back on the wire without you. I'm stuck. I need, I need, I don't need Disneyland, God. It's all good. I need Jesus. I need God. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for fathers in this place. I, I just pray that we could remove some of the weight and pressure off our shoulders. And I pray that men right now across this house, those that have been trying to DIY it, and they know they're tired. They know they're worn out. They know that they've been trying to hold it all together in their own strength. And they, and they need to, Take to another step of dependency today. Maybe some of their inadequacies are adding up and now they're finally ready to be more dependent. If that's you, no one looking around, you say, Pastor, just pray for me, Jamie. I, I, I need to 
trust that he's never going to leave, that I can ask him anything, that I can, I can trust his voice and, and that he's with me no matter what. If you're here and you say, I'm ready to be more dependent, I, I can't do this on my own, I'm worn out. I'm not going to judge you, no one look around, but just put your hand up to me, let me pray for you, pray for me. Across the room, hands across the room. Come on, I got mine up. Father, you see our hands, you know our hearts. Lord, we, we go with all our energy and all our strength. You said that one sows and one waters, and we do that. We're faithful to, to work and sow and water and take care and love. But, but God, you said that you give the increase. And so, God, forgive us for being blindfolded and not talking to you, for being up on that wire and not crying out, for, for thinking that we got it or we've got enough strength to do it in ourselves. I declare and we declare this is a house of dependence. I'm a man of dependence. I'm comfortable with my inadequacies, God, because I'm more dependent on you than ever. God, I need you. I pray this house and these dads would need you more than ever, that we wouldn't distract ourselves with everything else, that we would deal with the issues, we would deal with the inadequacies by leaning on you, God. Letting you work in us and through us. Holy Spirit, continue to do your work in me, in my family, in my children, in every man and every family and woman in this place, in every child, every son and daughter. Lord, daily we pull away with you. Daily we hear your voice. Morning by morning, open our ear. Let it be the first thing we hear. We need you, God. I pray for a spirit of dependence. And it that it would turn into a spirit of delight. I pray that discipline would turn into delight. I thank you, Father, for the spirit of delight in this house and that we would be full to overflowing. In Jesus' name. Just for another second, no one looking around. If you're here and you'd say, you know what, Jamie, you're talking about an overflow. You're talking about God. You're talking about do it yourself. And you've been building your life yourself. You've been relying on your own strength. You know you need to surrender your life to God. You know you're not walking in relationship with God in a right way. Maybe you did in the past and you're just away from him now. Or maybe you never have really surrendered your life to God. I'm not talking about surrendering to church or religion or rules. I'm talking about surrendering your heart to Jesus Christ. The one that came to the cross, died as God, died as a man, took all of your sin, shame, and guilt, all of your ability to perform or all of the need to, to have pleasure, took all of that, removed all of that, and gave you his life, the life of God. And today is a day for you to surrender to Jesus. The Bible says that we have no way to the Father, no relationship with God except through Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if you will actually surrender your heart to Jesus today, you get a fresh start in God. If you're here this morning and you know you need a fresh start, it's as simple as saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe you're God. I'm going to ask you on three to slip your hand up to me so I can pray for you. No one's looking around. I'm not going to bring you forward or embarrass you. But if that's you, if you say, you know what, Jamie, I've been hanging on by the wire. I can't get myself back up. I've been kind of walking around blindfolded. I've been leading my own life, and I need to surrender my life to God today. I'm worn out. I can't deal with my own sin and shame and guilt. I can't, I can't build my life. I need Jesus. I believe he's God. One two, three. Put your hand up to me right now. Come on. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. Come on. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. Father, you see our hearts. You see every hand that went up. I'm going to pray a simple prayer right now. If you put your hand up, pray it with me or pray your own words with me. It's just a prayer. There's no magic in the words. It's just a heart of surrender to Jesus. Just say this prayer with me. If you didn't put your hand up but needed to, put your heart up right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. 
Jesus, I thank you that you allowed us to be children of God, that you've adopted us. There's no fear, there's no bondage, that you're going to build our life. I surrender to you, Jesus, today. Thank you for removing all my sin, all my shame, and all my guilt forever. Thank you for giving me a brand new heart. God, I give you my heart. Give me a brand new heart. Give me your heart. Save me. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. I give you the rest of my life in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody. Amen. 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 Come on, give God some glory this morning. What an awesome morning. Several of you saying yes to Jesus.